Hey, so welcome back. Uh, we're starting week two or day eight if you started with us last week. Or if you're like my wife who screwed up the first day, welcome to day seven. It's all right. Um, uh, but we're on this 35-day challenge, which is a, a journey that several thousand of us, and the last count is 12,500 people across the country are doing this right now. Not, this is awesome. Not, not counting the kids. There's thousands of kids who have, who have taken the, the, the paperwork home as well. But here's the thing is we're all kind of going on this, the, the, this journey, all right? And the goal is training or retraining uh, the habits and muscle memories of different parts uh, of our life. And here's what I mean by different parts of our lives. Like we have our, our heart. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Our heart is like our, our, our willpower. It's like our decision maker, okay? How we run our lives. And then we have our, our souls, right? Our souls are a lot of things, but it's where our emotions come out of and our emotions speak to our hearts, all right? Then we have our mind. Our mind is what's deciding like what's true, what's wise, what's the safe thing for me to do. And then we have our strength. That's our bodies. Our bodies and what we talked about last week, carry out externally whatever God might be wanting to do inside of us in, internally. And we want all these parts of our lives, all right, uh, to come together under the leadership, under the lordship, the direction of Jesus Christ, all right? None of them work in isolation or work well in isolation. They all have to work together. And so the challenge is this, we're going into training, all right? We're gonna do five things, all right, every day, each one connected to one or more of those quadrants. We're gonna do them every day for 35 days and learn some new habits in our life. So just like most like physical training programs that you, that you get into today, we did what they did. We created an app to kind of keep track of our daily routines and progress. And so if you, you can still download this on your phone, physical activity, we're gonna tell our bodies that they work for us, we don't work for them. Every day, we're gonna read our Bible, we're gonna pray through some things, we're gonna sacrifice, we'll talk about that in, today, right? And then we're gonna serve somebody in our life every day, one act of service. Again, why are we doing this? And the goal is, well, first, if we actually were to do what we said we were going to do for 35 days in a row, that's got integrity, maybe those things will become like a normal, a new normal, ongoing muscle memories of our lives that continue on past these 35 days, resulting in a, a future uh, of ongoing better relationship with God. I want a better life with God, don't you? And then out of the overflow of that better relationship with God, maybe the relationships around me will get better as well. That's our goal. And the second thing is this, not just individually, but the second is if several thousand of us in this community spread across this country and this world, if we're all doing this together, then, and then, then coming together on our campuses as, as best we can to, 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 to meet together, to worship together, to learn together, to encourage, just you guys singing and just you know, high-fiving people, around you, encourage some other people, just keep going. If we keep on doing that, then and our church gets better. And we're, we're set up, if our church gets better, we're set up to have a better influence in our world and in our cities and in our neighborhoods and in our schools and in our friendships, where we live all week long. And Jesus wants his church to have influence because he loves all the people of the world and he wants them to know that. Does that make sense? Okay, so let's get in today. Today, we're gonna talk about sacrifice. Yay! Let's, let's be honest, all right, right? Nobody got out of bed today or tuned in online today thinking, I hope Jim talks about sacrifice. Maybe he'll even throw in some fasting. That would be really awesome, all right? So no, nobody wants to talk about giving stuff up. So let's just kind of rip the Band-Aid off right off the bat, okay? And, and so even if you're watching at home, you have to do this in your living room, by show of hands, okay, how many of you feel like there are more things that need to get done every day than you have time for? Go. Okay, that's... 
except the person unconscious. All right, so uh, how, how, how about this? How many of you have more things in your life that you'd like to do and purchase than you have money to do and purchase them with? Go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, 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 right. So how, here's a general, right? How many of you just feel like you're too busy? Yeah, okay. So if any of those things are true, every day you are choosing to do one thing at the expense of not doing something else. So you're already sacrificing. You follow me? Right, so the question is this, are you sacrificing the right things? And that's what I wanna look at today, right? So, and if you're like me, there's already some like internal conversations stirring inside of you going, this is not gonna be fun today, <laughs> right? And you know what, maybe not at first, all right? But if you'll just lean into this and don't tune me out, all right? If you'll work through it a little bit, a little bit of the not fun part, it might lead to something really, really great, like, I don't know, freedom. All right, so just hang with me, all right? So let's get philosophical for a minute, all right? We live in a world where the number one advice thrown at us, the number one philosophy, um, worldview, every movie you've seen in the last 10 years, all right? Every TV show you've tuned into, every high school or college graduation speech that you've had to sit through, all right? It all contains the same thing, all right? You have to follow your heart. You have to like pursue your dreams. You have to be true to yourself. And the message to be communicated and being devoured by our, by our world and believed is simply this, to be fulfilled in life is to pursue whatever you desire the most. And if you don't pursue that, you won't have a fulfilled life. But you have to go after your dreams. You have to go after whatever you want if you want to be happy in life. And if you don't, you won't be happy. And you know what? You read certain parts of the Bible and it would look like the Bible would agree with that. Like, like a guy named David, he writes this. He says, take delight in the Lord and the Lord will give you the desires of your heart. That sounds awesome. So apparently the Lord agrees. He wants you to have the desires of your heart. The catch with that or the part we skip over is if our hearts will delight in the Lord which means that when your heart's greatest desire is the Lord, is Jesus, then so will your desires, resulting in my heart will desire, you'll want for your own life the same things that Jesus wants for your life. He says, well, I'll give you that. And here's the question, or several questions, all right? Problems, all right? What if, what if, you, what if you have a desire that your heart wants to pursue, but it's harmful to someone else or bad for you? And then who gets to decide if it's bad? Who's in charge of that, right? Well, let's don't stop it. Let's don't narrow it down to just good and bad desires. How about this? What if your desires aren't necessarily bad? They just don't align with one another. Like they bump into each other. I want this and I want this and they're bumping into each other. For example, um, and none of these are bad. You wanna be the wealthiest, most successful person in your office or your company. Not a bad thing. But you also have this desire, you wanna spend a lot of time with your family and they bump into each other. Or you, you, you want to eat and drink whatever you want, whenever you want. It's a good thing, right? Uh, but you also want to enjoy good health for many years to come. And they feel like they can't both be true sometimes. You want, how about this? Um, you want the freedom that comes from having money and wealth and, and being single, right? Yet you also want that intimacy and that closeness of being in a family and raising kids. And it feels like they're bumping into each other. Which brings us to philosophy number two. It goes like this. First is pursue whatever you desire, followed by, because you can have it all. You can have it all. Please write this down. No, you can't. It's like, what? No, you can't. Why? Because the world doesn't work like that. It's reality. Well, why? Because you are infinite. You're not infinite, all right? You have limits. 
You have a capacity load. Oh, only, you only have so much time, so much energy, so much ability. You only have so much money, right? And you can't do everything that you want to do or be everything you want to be. So you have to choose. And choosing one path always means forsaking something else. Everybody does away with certain desires. Again, the question is, which desires deserve to die and which ones should live? That's the question I wanna unpack. So I just finished a book. I'm reading books now. I'm in college again, all right? But one of my professors in my master's program, and I'm drawing a lot of this from, from, from him, but he tells a story that when he was back in grad school, one of his professors announced this on the first day of, uh, of class. I can't imagine this happening, but he did. He said, he looked at his class and he said, it may be morally wrong for you to get an A in my class. Because the demands of getting an A would require sacrifice of time and energy that might be better spent in service to your family or other more important responsibilities. If so, be satisfied with a B if it means keeping your priorities straight. None of us heard that this week, right? No, we, none of our, our teachers told us that, our coaches told us that, none of our bosses said that, and our, our tape playing in our head never played that message this week. So you know, our tape or my tape says, no, I, I can make this work. I can do it all. I can keep all those plates spinning. I really can. I, so, so that nobody, uh, I don't, and nobody else will have to sacrifice anything. Followed by this, when all the plates start falling, what's wrong with me? Why can't I keep all this going? Now, here's what I, here's what I know is going on right now, right? Very few people listening to me here in this room, our campuses or online, very few of you are disagreeing with me. But here's the other tape playing in our heads. See, it's very stressful to think that Choosing one desire means that we have to reject another one. We just don't want to do that. And so we've talked ourselves into this. Not only can we do it all, but we look around and it feels like we painted ourselves in such a corner that now we have to keep doing it all. Anybody feel like that? But if we were honest, the things that we say we have to do, that's very rarely true. Usually they're driven by something broken inside of us. So, so I, I always let my, my wife read my talk before and, and she puts a red marker out because she's a teacher, right? And so, and she says, you know, this is really good, Jim, except you don't tell anything about how you struggle with this. I'm like, ah. We're the me teacher. So I said, I, well, I know, and I know the perfect example. For example, I, if you were to ask me to look back over the last 37 seven years of parenting and marriage and point out my biggest like husband parent fail, it's a no brainer for me, top of the list. We lived back in Louisville and my kids were little, like one was preschool, one was elementary. And my wife Robin struggled with chronic migraine pain. Her, de her depression was at like a borderline suicide level. And in that moment, I chose to go on a three week mission trip to India and Kenya. And I told her I didn't have a choice. It's my job. But the truth is you always have a choice. Here's what was going on in my head. I don't know how to fix this mess at home, but I'm really good at my job. So I walked out the door with her begging me not to go, I got on an airplane and went to another continent. And when I got home, my job gave me a raise. And what followed was years of counseling, working through my workaholism and my wife and my kids working through, why does he always choose work over me? See, I sacrificed them to protect myself. And if that's landing close to anybody else's story, and I have a feeling it might be, so what would you change? What, what would you cut out of your life? What would you sacrifice? And if you chose to sacrifice that, how do you know you're making the right decision? 
See, we, we, we love the idea that we have limitless choices before us. That's America, right? But, but eventually the normal limits of life press in and our choices become more and more constrained and we'll be forced to make certain decisions. And usually we're forced to make those decisions when our past choices give us an ultimatum, like your health shuts down. And now you don't have a choice. You gotta look at it. When the bank calls in your loan, when your spouse files the papers, when your kids shut you out of their life or leave or worse, and now you have to look at it, right? You have to choose. I choose this, which means I sacrifice that. Are you okay with that? So here's the third philosophy or third truth I wanna throw at you. It goes like this. Not choosing is itself a choice. Pursuing one desire will require you to say no to another. And if you wait too late to make the choice, the choice will be made for you. New York Times columnist David, David Brooks, he writes this. So this isn't coming from a spiritual aspect. This is from a, a, a having anything to do with God. It's just the way life works. He says this, if you aren't saying a permanent no to anything, giving anything up, then you probably aren't diving into anything fully. I love this. A life of commitment means saying a thousand no's for the sake of a few precious yeses. Isn't that good? My professor, Trevor Wax, he says this. He says, everything in us resists closing a door on our future, but without closing one door, we can never truly walk through another. This should be your screensaver, folks, all right? Or how about this? This is the way I would say it. How about this? Saying no simplifies life in the reality that if you say yes to too much, you lose focusing on something better. See, and Jesus, Jesus knew that. He knew that. He knew that we, are, as human beings, would have this tendency to fill up our lives with things, regardless if they're good things or bad things, just things. Too many things at the expense of missing something greater in our life, simply because there's just not enough time, talent, or money to go around, which is why Jesus himself practiced and taught the discipline of fasting and sacrifice, not as a religious ritual of self-punishment, but as an as a intentional season of taking a time out of reflection, I need to do a self audit. That's all we're talking about here. And the question is this, is what I'm filling my life up with coming at the expense of something more important? We have to take time outs and look at our lives. See, fasting from food, you know, is, is the discipline of putting aside something normal and common, not bad. I'm just gonna put something I do every day so that I can focus on something not normal, something uncommon, maybe better. And after that time of focusing and reflecting and self-auditing, it leads to this, all right? Here's the best definition of sacrifice that I, I can come up with. It goes like this. Sacrifice means laying down something or simplifying my life in order to pick up more of something that's more important. It's not necessarily bad. I just, that's more important. And I, I can't hold on to both. I'm gonna pick that one. And again, the goal of this is to look back over your life, short-term or long-term, and not have regret I'm so tired of living my life with regret. I missed something important because my life was filled up with things that were less important. And I wish I could get all that time and all that energy and all that money. I wish I could get it back. But guess what? You can't. You know why? Because it's gone. It's gone. That's just reality. See, now, let me just clear that. This is not a question of, yeah, but if I do that, won't God forgive me? Of course he will. Of course. This is not a guilt trip. This is Jesus' attempt of you not looking back at your life, your time, your limited amount of energy and attention, and I got this much money, all right? Jesus is going, I don't want you to have regret and guilt because you spent your life on the right things. That's what I want for you. And how do you know that I spent my life on the right things? Because they agree with what God said was important and true. So let me, let me give you a quick story, Jesus' story, all right? And then uh, I'm, I'm gonna throw out a challenge to you and then we're gonna go home. 
So, so let me say this. Jesus is teaching, and I assume he's outside in this big field because the paragraph right above where we're gonna start re- reading says that a, a crowd of many thousands had gathered and Jesus is preaching. He's throwing down the word. You know, he's just, you know, can I get an amen? Oh, I mean, he's just going for it, right? And in the middle of his talk, there's these two brothers like back in the crowd and they're, they, they're having a fight. They're having a family argument. And one of the brothers stands up in the middle of church and he yells at Jesus. And this is what he yells. He says, hey, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, this is awkward. It's happened here before, but you know who you are, right? But um, so then you get pictures. Two, two brothers are having a fight. One goes, hey, Jesus, my dad died and my brother won't split the stuff. Fix this. Right? And so Jesus, Jesus replied, man, in the Greek, it's dude. Uh, not really. I made that up. I totally made that up. Um, <laughs> I think it's funny. Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, remember this part, okay? Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So two things really quickly and we'll move on, right? Apparently there are several kinds of greed you have to watch out for, not just the one that's obvious. Second, life does not consist in the abundance, the amount, the quantity of possessions, which begs the question, yeah, then what does life consist of? Okay, Jesus goes on. So he told them a parable. Okay, and a parable, remember, is just a, a, it's a story about stuff every day, but it really has a spiritual meaning to it. Here's, the, here's the, the story. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Now leave that up there at quiz time, okay? What yielded an abundant harvest? The ground. Okay, very good, good, all right? So who makes crops grow out of the ground? God, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. talking about the farmer. Uh, the, the rich man put, planted, right, right. Yeah, but if the ground doesn't cooperate, he just stuck ste- seeds in dirt, okay? But this guy's feeling pretty good about himself. I did this, all right? Pretty cocky, pretty proud of himself. So pay attention in this next paragraph uh, the, the pronouns he uses in his little speech. And by the way, the speech is inside of his own head. He's talking to himself. Remember that, okay? Here we go. He, the rich man, thought to himself, here we go, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops, poor me. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store up my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you, I, have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Now, now here's the thing you need to remember. You might want to write this down. When you're having like an inside conversation inside your head, Jesus can hear you. Because he's Jesus, okay? So, all right, so, so Jesus knows what's going on in there, okay? So here's, here's the next line, look. But God, now that's an underliner right there. Anytime you see but God, oh, story's changing. It's a but God moment, okay? But God said to him, you, what's the word? Oh, wouldn't that be a horrible have God call you? Sorry, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Now, now let's look at the story. This is a 2,000-year-old story of the American dream. And he's living the dream. Take farming out and put in your career or your pursuit, in anything, all right? And the idea of it resulting in an outcome that you, you can't, you, you don't even have the capacity to hold it all, so you have to go build big, something bigger just to house what's coming your way. That's America, Right, that's the goal. So why does God call this success story? Why does he call him a fool? And the answer is not because he was rich. Being rich and having to 
build bigger barns is not a sin. So why is this guy a fool? And two reasons. Do you remember why Jesus told the story in the first place? First, warning against all kinds of greed and teaching that life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. So this man is a fool because one, he lived under the illusion that his success in his business was primarily due to his own hard work and therefore the rewards of his business resulted in this. My stuff, my time, my money for me. My stuff for me. That is the definition of greed. Second thing is he stored up things for himself, not a sin, but to the neglect or the exclusion of God. What did God wanna do? What did God, you know, did this man choose to prioritize and leave God out of his story? See, one, one of the most convicting lines in the story that I, I've taught a thousand times and read it 10,000 times, all right? And, and I miss it. It's tucked in there. This guy spends his whole life preparing for a future that he has zero control over. And then something happens, a but God moment, right? It's totally out of his control. And then Jesus asks the question, hey, hey, dude, who gets your stuff now that you spent your entire life working on? Here's the answer, not you. And then the convicting line for me is this. This is how it'll be. With whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. And the key word there, the key phrase there is this. What does this mean? Total loss. Total loss is how it will be. Wasted life, wasted time. He missed the purpose of his life. He missed the reason that God made his crops grow in the first place. He had a lot of stuff, and in the end, there was nothing to show for it. Another place Jesus says it, he says it like this. He said to his disciples, anybody, whoever wants to be my follower must deny themselves, say no to something not important, and take up their cross and follow me, something more important. Well, why? For whoever, whoever wants to save their life, like hoard their life, my stuff for me, you'll lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Question. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for, for their soul? And that last question just haunts me. It's the worst one. Our, our version of it would be something like this. You look back over your life and you have a horrible aha moment that goes, what can I do to get back something I missed or someone that I lost? And they're important to me because I, I spent all my attention on the wrong thing. And here's the answer. Nothing. Which is why we have regret. So one of our daily tasks in this 35 days is to choose to sacrifice something in our lives. And I've read, you guys are posting it online, stuff like that. Some of the stuff you're choosing to set aside for the next month, really, really awesome. Caffeine, that's the angry person next to you, right? right? Um, uh, sugar, al alcohol, um, some of you giving up social media or all screens, not watching TV. And I'm sure there's a reason behind it, a good reason. Some of you are going, you know, it's, I've been wanting to do this for a long time. It's not good for my health. I need to make sure something hasn't grown into an addiction. It's stealing away all my time. Uh, and listen, I'm not making light of anything that you've chosen, all right? And I'm sure there's a cost to it. You're feeling it. Some inconvenience and some, some, some discomfort involved, all right? But, but after listening to this, I think you know where I'm going here, you do realize that this 35-day challenge is probably just dipping your toe into something bigger and deeper that God might want you to pay attention to than your caffeine intake, right? Like what, what, what? Like this changing your diet or your alcohol intake um, are, are probably good ideas. So keep going on that. But Jesus said that whatever goes into your body, that's not what determines your relationship with God. But what comes out of your heart is the biggest indicator of your relationship with God. And then Jesus, all right, so it's going to make you mad. So email Jesus, okay? Jesus says the number one revealer of what's important to your heart is how and where you point your money. 
Jesus said it. Again, be mad at him, but nobody disagrees with him. He said it like this, all right? He says, for where your, what's the word? I looked at the Greek in that, it means money. Sorry, it's like my children. No, 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 listen, no. For where your money is, there your heart will be also. And you, you all agree with that. See, the thing that you love the most, prioritize the most, will get first crack at your money. If you wanna know what I love, my bank account will show you. If you know, wanna know who I love, my spending will show it. I love her, she gets a lot of my money, all right? I, I love to do stuff like that. It gets a lot of my money. Jesus goes on to say this. He says, no one can serve two bosses, two masters. Why? For he, either, he will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. So there's this tug of war. So he says, I'm just cleared up. You cannot serve both God and money. And here's my point. Sacrificing something for this challenge is definitely a good thing. I, I'm, I'm not drinking alcohol for 30 days. I don't think it's a problem, all right? Just wanna make sure, all right? Same for whatever your thing is, all right? But what if, what if, what if on that 35-day challenge, I wonder if the number would still be 12,500 12, people, right? What if the, the sacrifice was, take a step towards the biblical teaching of tithing. Giving 10% of your income to God's work, being done in your local church, that's your place of worship, the place that feeds you. What if that was on the app? So what's your first response or reaction going through your head right now? And for the record, nobody emailed me, that's what they were doing, okay? But, but what are you thinking about right now? What are you feeling right now? And I've heard it all. I've, I've said it all. You're sitting here going, see, this is, this is why it shouldn't have come. This is why I don't trust organized religion, all right? Churches just want your money. If we give more money, Jim will probably get a raise. That's not true, all right? Uh, I promise, all right? So now listen, I'm, I'm not a prophet, but here's what's probably the most common internal conversation going inside of most of our heads right now. And I know that because for decades, it's what went on inside my head. Here's what you're sitting here right now, the tension, all right? Um, if I were to give a growing percentage of my money to the things that God wants to do here at Flatirons, it would have an impact on the amount of money that would be available to me to spend on myself and the things that are more important to me. And I don't know if I wanna do that. Yeah, right, absolutely. Jesus already said it. What you love, what you consider important, gets your money first. Listen, if talking about money makes you mad or nervous, like someone who's already left, all right, right? Then listen, don't listen to this last part. Just go back to the priorities about your family and kids and stay there, okay? But, but nothing reveals our priorities more than our, our money. And this church, I love this church, all right? This church has always been a super generous church, especially when I throw out like a big project. Like last Christmas, some of you were here, remember this? Our goal was to raise and give away $1 million in three weeks and just give it all away to the community, which we did. And we ended up raising two and a half million dollars. Here's what we did last Christmas. We fed hospital staffs up and down the front range. First responders, we helped them. We helped rebuild some houses of some firefighters who lost their homes while they were out, you know, fighting the, fire, the fires last year. We helped people who had lost their jobs due to COVID paid their bills, we shored up all of our missionary partners around the world, and we helped keep the doors open in at least 10 churches up and down the front range. Way to go, God, through Flatirons. That's awesome, right? And if I threw out a challenge right now, going, hey, I got an event, you'd probably give to it. I'm not talking about a one-off event giving. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about making sacrificial giving like a normal, everyday muscle memory of your life. Not so that we get your money, but to ensure that you don't look back over your life and have a horrible aha moment and realize I lived my life for me and I missed out on some things that God wanted to do through me. And I don't want that regret. 
A few years ago, I was living back in Kentucky and I was having lunch with one of the best mentors I've ever had in my life, Bob Russell. He was a, my, my senior pastor. And, and at lunch one day, he said, you know what, Jim? Whenever I, whenever I teach on money, you know what happens? I said, offering goes up. He goes, no, baptisms go up. I'm like, why? He says, because money is one of the most important things in our lives. So if we can trust Jesus with our money, what else are we gonna hold back from him? That's my story. So here we go. This is a 35-day challenge. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do for the remainder of the challenge, okay? So when you get to, when you get to that guided prayer, things you need from God, um, would you use part of that time and ask God what he might be telling you to do when it comes to beginning to give or begin to give increasing your sacrificial giving. And if God says, no, don't worry about it, then go with that. Second, would you consider adding to that sacrifice category, not alcohol, caffeine, something like that, but I'm going to sacrifice a percentage of my income, and that's between you and God, to give to what God's doing here at Flatirons. And that includes the tens of thousands of people who are watching online right now who spread across the earth, right? Like 40, 50,000 of you this weekend. I'm asking you, if this is your church and this is what's feeding you, I'm asking you to do the same thing. Why? Why are you leaning into this today? Because there's two reasons first. One is we have a need. We do. We're not, we're not, we're not falling apart or something like that, but currently due to COVID and decreased in, in attendance, all right, we're one and a half million dollars behind in yearly giving towards our budget. I could blame it on a lot of things, but I'd be making excuses. The truth is, we're just human beings. Over the last year, with all the chaos in this world, some of us just let it slip off the radar. And second, some of us are new to this whole you know, church Jesus giving thing, so we don't know how it works. We're just thinking, I think the, the place worked on Jesus fairy dust. Nope. We have to pay the bills too and pay salaries and all that. It takes money. But that's, that's, a, that's a secondary reason. Let me give the primary reason. Vision. And listen to your hearts right now, okay? I believe that God is up to something in the life of Flatirons Community Church. I think that you feel it too. You felt it during worship. You felt it over the last several weeks in here. I think that as bad as COVID has been, God is using it to deconstruct something so he can rebuild his church into something better. And one of those things which become glaringly obvious to me is we have to take better care of the next generation coming behind us. We're just gonna call them next gen. What are you talking about? I'm talking about birth through college students. We have to take better care of the next gen, right? Listen, folks, let me just, this is a little family talk, all right? The world is experiencing the loss of hope and purpose and record numbers of loss of life in our next gen. And the past and present church in America is losing the war for the hearts of, of next gen. You put that together, how's that land here at Flatirons? We as a church, we have done more suicide funerals in the last two years than COVID funerals, and most of the suicide funerals are students. And too often our response to that is like, ah, that's horrible, that's a shame. Followed by, not consciously, we put up a white flag and go, that's just the way it is in today's crazy world. Who could fix it? Listen, I'm, I'm gonna be nice. I call BS. I do, I call, I call bull. Listen, I, I, I say it doesn't have to be that way anymore. I say something needs to be done and I say that Flatirons needs to be on the cutting edge to figure it out how to save the next generation. So I'm gonna propose this. I propose that over the next several years, we are gonna throw a disproportionate amount of money, energy, staff, and volunteer efforts at reaching our children, our middle and high school students, and our college students and coming alongside the cradle to college parents in order to bring the light of Jesus into their dark, hopeless world. Do you wanna go with me? You know who's not breathing right now? A parent of a middle school kid. Because they're going, I need, I need help. 
See, we have this vision I've talked about over the last several weeks. I want to plant churches across the country, all over the place, all right? But we will not do that while our kids right here at home are dying on the vine, spiritually, relationally, emotionally, and physically. We've got to take care of home too, right? And when you, so when you sit there and think, he just wants our money, hey, write this down. You're dang right I do. Because all of that is gonna cost a lot of money and you have to decide if your thing is more important than the thing that God is about to do through this church. So if you wanna be a, a part of it, then pray and then get up off your knees and give more money to what God's doing. Give it in the buckets at the back door. Give it online as a scheduled part of your weekly or, or monthly you know, muscle memory giving. That's how Robin and I give. And I'm not, I'm not saying, listen, I, you gotta pray about it. Amen. Okay, now we're done praying. Now listen, all right? Here's what I mean. I'm talking to people at home too. Before you get out of your seat today, do this in your living room, all right? In campus auditoriums, uh, uh, where, uh, get, get, pull your phone out right now and go to the website or go to the, to, to the Flatirons app and at the very bottom, there's a give button. Here's my challenge. I've, I, don't, I don't remember doing this for a long time, but I'm doing it today. If you're already giving something, up at 1% of your income. Holy, yeah, Holy. If you're not giving anything or giving regularly, give $20 a person every week or as a family. Figure this out. What does it take to take your family to McDonald's drive-thru? Because I would, I would hope that the value of this place is at least equal to or better than a crappy fast food drive-thru meal to your family. I do, right? So without apology, we're all gonna hit a drive-thru on the way home. It's gonna cost us 30, 40 bucks and then it's gone. We could, we could save a generation. Here, and here's the other thing, okay? This is my notes, I just threw it in this morning. Here's the, here's the deal we make every time we throw out a financial sacrifice challenge. If you will agree to do this through the end of the, I was gonna say the end of the 35 day challenge, but that's chump, all right? Through the end of the year, if at the end of the year you haven't experienced a growth in your faith and your relationship with God, all you have to do is contact our accounting department and we'll give it back with you. We'll give it back. Don't call and go, hey Michael, I gave a thousand in cash. God sees, all right, right, right? But a check or online or something like that. Listen, you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. By the way, nobody's ever asked for it back. One lady and she died. No, uh, <laughs> that's not true. Or maybe it is, I don't know, right? Hey, let me land this. We were putting this vision together and we went out and we hired one of the top consultants in the country when it comes to reaching out to the next gen. We asked, we brought him in, flew him in, asked him to coach us, like how do we find the right staff and how do we find the right leaders to, to go out and, and hire? And I'm, I'm sitting the other day at, at night with dinner with him, I'm listening to, to him pour out his heart and his passion for reaching, you know, not just the next gym, but also help come alongside their parents. And I, I'm sitting there looking at him and go, this, this, is a, this is a no brainer. I said, Carl, why am I asking you to help me find a guy? You're the guy. And so I hired him, all right? Uh, so I'd like to introduce you to our new lead team member who will oversee our next gen mission, Carl Romas. Come on up. Come on. Look, we're the same. Anyway, uh, hey, so this is Carl. Uh, he's in the process of moving his family out here. Hey, Carl, so you, you, you're coming, you're gonna join with us. Just kind of give us kind of a, a quick, you're a preacher, so Easy, all right. Uh, so just give us a couple of minutes of like, what's your vision for this and, and where are we going? And then I'm gonna ask you to pray for us. Will you do that? Yeah, you know, um, for me, it's making sure that this place, that Flatirons Church across all of our campus is the safest place for young people to come and know 
Jesus. I believe three things, that every student needs to be connected to the church to understand that they have a value in Christ's kingdom and that there's an adult that knows them, whether they're a kiddo all the way through college, that every single kid knows that they matter to Jesus because they matter to us. And as a parent of two little girls watching at home right now, what's up, Georgia, what's up, Ruby? Um, I know I need help. And our staff, our team wants to come alongside of every parent, every grandparent, every aunt and uncle and help you and resource you of raising your son, your daughter in this crazy world that they may go out of this place and be a light to this world. So together, Flatiron Church, we are going to do this. Amen. Yeah, come on. I hired the right guy. It's also good. Hey, hey Carl, so Carl's going to be out here at Lafayette. He's going to be out in the lobby, and he's going to be making the rounds at our campuses. So if you want to talk to him, he'll, he'll, he'll be out there later. Hey, would you just, just kind of pray over everything that we just, you know, learned? It's a lot of heavy stuff that we're trying to absorb. So you pray for us, and then I'll, uh, I'll kind of close this out. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this church, for this community, for our leadership. And Father God, may you help us today to be willing to sacrifice to have open hands and an open heart to participating with what you are doing in your kingdom. Help us, Lord Jesus, to come alongside of you and help extend the walls of your kingdom in this place. We love you. We thank you. In Christ's name, all God's people said. Amen. Hey, we welcome Carl. Go give it up. we think our desires are the same thing as my identity therefore I have to follow all my desires or I won't be true to myself but it's not Jesus tells you who you are if your desires don't agree with him they can change you define what's important they don't get to define you and our desires must we must make a choice to align with what God says is true so I'm just going to ask you to rethink it what needs to happen in this world and what's our responsibility as people call on Jesus and say save us the answer is yes. Hey, uh, so we're going to teach you an old song. So when we sacrifice the right things and get our priorities all in line and go, the most important thing is this. You know what the Bible word for that is? Worship. Worship means to assign value and worth to something and then respond accordingly. So worship is more than a song. It's more than showing up at church. It's more than just some activity here. It's like, here's my whole life, heart, soul, mind, and my physical part of my life, which is my actions, my deeds, and my money. And God, you are Lord of all of that. So we tended to make worship something different. And we want to get back to what is it that God really requires of us and what is it he desires of us. And it's just for us to just trust him with all the parts of our life. So they're going to they're gonna teach us this really, really old song. Then I'm going to come up and I'm going to close this out with prayer. And then uh, we're going to make choices. All right? Choose the important thing. All right? Let's worship together.